Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's episode 111 of the Audible Farm Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Couchtown Coffee. Couchtown Coffee is roasted right here in Iowa, and it is roasted to order. It's some of the freshest coffee you'll get. I guarantee it. Go to CouchtownCoffee.com, find a coffee you like, and make an order. And when you make an order, let them know Audible Farm sent you, and they will give you 20% off your order. That's right. You can get fresh roasted coffee sent to your house and 20% off, all because you listen to this podcast, and Couchtown Coffee is that awesome. Thanks, Couchtown. This week, I'm sitting down with David Hofford Jr. David is the guitarist for Ancient Elm. Ancient Elm's a band I've been watching for quite a while. They've been uh, in the scene for, oh, I don't know, about a decade or so. And, um, well, they're, they're, they've been one of those bands I used to go watch a lot of metal shows, a lot, a lot, a lot of metal shows. And they were there every now and then, and they always killed it. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Ancient Elm's been one of my favorite bands for quite a while. So I hope you enjoy it. David's a cool guy. Here we go, episode 111 with David Hofford Jr. It's the Audible Farm Podcast. With your host, Peter Stockdale. All right, so today I'm sitting down uh, with Dave. I guess we're going to go with the mononym on this one. Uh, Dave, you play guitar with uh, Ancient Elm, and I've actually seen you guys play a handful of times. And, you know, you've been around for quite a while as far as a band, uh, longevity-wise, Ancient Elm has. It's one of the few bands that, as I would say, stood the test of time in this local, you know, music circuit for, what, 10-plus years now? Uh, 2006, 2007, yeah. Oh, wow. So we're looking at, like, 15 years you guys have been chugging along as a band. How long have you been in the band? I've only been in the band for about eight years this year. Oh, nice, nice. So uh, how did it all happen when uh, the other members found you? How did that all go down? Uh, just for me, well, I've been friends with them for years now. But yeah. they had a couple members leave and needed someone to fill on guitar, so here I am. Oh, nice, nice. Uh, I was the planning, uh, I was planning Go for it. <laughs> oh, I was, I was I, my first band, uh, Lion Slicer, we had Taylor playing drums for us for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that's when I decided to join Ancient Elm. They asked me to join. Oh, cool. Yeah, Lion Slicer. Oh, and I was in Cincinnati for a while, too. What was the other band? Cincinnati Theory. Man, this audio is is junk. Oh, I, I can barely hear the other band. I remember you were saying something about Lion Slicer, and you you shared some pictures of that from from back in the day, not terribly long ago. And I remember seeing those online. Um, the other members in the band Ancient Elm are uh, Eric and. Oh, go for it, man! The audio is on such a lag here. I'm interrupting you half the time you're trying to talk. <laughs> oh, it's cool. I don't remember what I was saying about Lion Slicer now. Oh, that's cool. Um, but yeah, the other... We used this town. <laughs> this audio is giving us heck. Um, go for it, man. Whatever you wanted to say. I 
<laughs> As we used to be called This Time Shall Burn before we went to Line of Lizer. Mm-hmm. Um, how long were you in Lion Slicer then? Oh, jeez. <laughs> this is the worst audio uh, and video connection I've ever had yep. for the podcast, bar none. <laughs> oh, man. I was in, uh, in Lion Slicer up until I joined Sinister Sinister Theory? You were in Sinister Theory for a while? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I mean, they're another band that's been around for quite a while. Two thousand ten, I think. Oh wow, yeah, they've definitely been around a while. I've even played shows with them, you know, um, in the Three Finger Betty camp. So it's pretty cool, you know. Like, you've got your roots in a handful of different bands around the area, and not only that, but like some of the longest, you know, running bands. To have a band last ten years is nothing to sneeze at, you know. All right. Um, how are you guys? They don't seem to last very long. No, no, and it's sad when they, you know, when they don't last that long. Because some of the bands you think that would last for like ever don't, you know. And um, I don't know, was that the case when you like were in Lion Slicer, or did that band just kind of disband when you left, or how did that go down? Uh, well, it was mostly just me and one other dude. He's the one that was in the pictures with me. All right. And uh. Taylor filled it on drums. Drummer would flake out. And then when the other guy went to college, that's when we kind of fizzled out and quit playing pretty much. Yeah, college. That'll take musicians away for sure. Um, I mean, I was in a band in high school. We weren't any good, but, you know, that was that was pretty much the end of us was people going to college. And it's uh, just the way it happens sometimes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other members in Ancient Elm are uh, Eric, who plays bass, and Taylor, who plays drums. Um, who's who's baby boy would uh, Ancient Elm be? Who's who is like uh, the mastermind behind this? Who started the band? Uh, Taylor is the only original member since Ancient Elm started. Oh dang! So that's pretty cool having the drummer be the original member. You know, um, I bet it. I bet that kind of. <laughs> Changed the way everything sounded for him from the first, you know, when they first started till now. Oh, yeah, the sound has changed with every member change, I think. That's pretty awesome. And you guys are just a three piece, though, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty sweet. There's not too many three piece metal bands out there, you know, doing what you guys are doing. Hell yeah, <laughs> it, it just works better. It does work pretty good with less members. It's less less hassle. You know, it's one less person to have to check the schedule and, you know, one less person to maybe not be able to make a show or something. You know, so maybe you guys are like, oh, yeah. you're, like you're like the metal version of Rush in Iowa. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> oh, man. How many albums uh, does Ancient Elm have out right now? Um, I know there's some online on Spotify uh, and stuff. I'm gonna say like four. Like four? Are you guys uh there's, Yeah, there's one. Go for it. <laughs> we're we're staring at each other. <laughs> uh uh there's one actual full length 
that they did way like the very first one. It sounds like Iron Maiden or something. Cool. I'll have to get it to you sometime. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, I don't know if that's on Spotify or, or anything or not, but you guys do actually have a pretty good following as far as like people oh. s- streaming your music online. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> you know, it is pretty awesome though. I mean, as far as like the Iowa bands and stuff, I mean, I, I get on the Spotify and I, I creep through what people have going on as you know if I can find it and and throw it in playlists and stuff. And I look at, you know, who has how many monthly listeners and stuff. And you guys are pretty stacked as far as monthly listeners on, on Spotify for like a DIY metal band from Iowa. Yeah. What do you attribute like to I that? I hear the music all the time. So I don't... <laughs> yeah, I guess it's a little different if you're the one always playing the music and listening to it. <laughs> what do you think you attribute to some of that like, yeah. online streaming success that you guys have had? Uh, I'm not really sure. We post a lot of dumb shit when we're on tour to get people to listen and just interact, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you guys are definitely always having fun, you know, posting pictures of you guys either in the van doing goofy stuff or after the show in a hotel doing goofy stuff. And, you know, it kind of makes us, you know, as I guess as fans or people that are, like, paying attention online, it kind of makes us feel like we're there with you, you know? So, I mean, as, as much as, you know... Right. You just you just said it, you know, quote unquote stupid stuff, but to people like us, it's like this is really cool. We get to see what it's like, you know, to be on the road with these guys and right. you know, I play in a band, but I've never been on any right. any Pew, tours. Uh, what was that? Oh uh, yeah. I said uh, vaudeville. Oh god, uh, audio is choppy again. Something about vaudeville? I said, or puking behind vaudeville. <laughs> oh, that's a sad deal that that's never going to happen anymore. <laughs> <laughs> vaudeville is a crazy cool place. I'm interested if I could just go. Um, what have you guys been working on as far as like during COVID? I mean, I'm sure you haven't been playing too many shows. We haven't played any shows. Oh, man. Summer or anything. Wow, so you guys working on new material then, or? Yeah, we were gonna take a break. Yeah. We were gonna take a break and record this summer, but uh. then everything got fucking canceled. Yeah, yeah, that's it's kind of a crap deal. I mean, you guys, especially, you guys were. Um, for people that don't know, Ancient Elm, like, once a year would go on what I would just call, like, a mini tour. You would hit, like, ten dates across the U.S., maybe, like, one in every state, and, you know, book your own shows. DIY right. tour, you know? It's not like you guys had an, an amazing booking company that said these are the places where you guys are going to have hundreds and hundreds of fans and every... You know, you guys are doing it all yourself, and that's one of the things I always thought was, like, the coolest thing about you guys was the fact that... Uh, the three of you could get together, you know, for t- a two-week time span in the summer, hit 10 different states, and, you know, be back in time for, you know, your vacations to be over and go back to work. Right. That was the worst part. <laughs> uh, what do you think attributes you guys to doing, you know, stuff like that? Because there's a lot of bands out there that are doing, you know, playing shows and going, you know, to different places within their own state or whatever, but there's not too many bands that are willing to go out on the road and, and, you know, see what, 
what do people in Colorado think of our music? What do people in Idaho think of our music? You know, what do people in Washington and Utah and, you know, all over out West, you know, there's not many bands that are willing to do that. And you guys are. Yes. It's, I don't know. It's crazy because we don't know how they're going to react when we get out there, you know, Mm -hmm. Taylor, Taylor does all the booking. What a stud. (laughs) And we just take a spot. We tried a booking agent once and it did not work out. I've, I've heard mixed reviews on using a booking agent. Um, which is one reason, like, I've tried my best to steer clear of doing anything in that avenue because it doesn't always work out the best, and I don't want to have anybody hold any ill will towards me, but it's that's got to be a tough gig, too, to be, like, a booking agent and be like, go play here. I can't really guarantee that people are going to show up, you know, at this bar on a Tuesday night, but here's a place to play, you know, and it's not always the best. Okay. Have you guys ever, like, uh, come back to a town? Like, oh, go for it. Go for it. What are you going to say something? Oh, I was going to say, uh, the first time we used a booking agent was uh, the first time we toured with Dark Mirror. Mm-hmm. And we got to one show, and the venue didn't have, they didn't have any idea that we were going to be there. Oh, my God. <laughs> what did you do? What did you do? Yeah. They, they offered us, they said we could play to nobody, or they just gave us free drinks. And we chose the free drinks. <laughs> <laughs> what a load, man. That's insanity. Oh man, and that kind of stuff does happen, you know. What was that last part? I said I'm sure the next time we talk to Clint, he'll tell you about it. Yeah, I'll have to. I'll have to ask Clint about that. You know, um, for people that don't know, Clint's the drummer in Dark Mirror. He also plays drums in the band I'm in, Three Finger Betty. Um, so, you know, it's really cool. I I do recall actually that you guys went on one of those mini tours together. It was pretty sweet, but I didn't. I guess I didn't realize that you guys got snubbed on a show like that. You know, <laughs> that's that's pretty extreme. Yeah. Um, I yeah. think there was a couple of shows that were pretty shitty too. Yeah, I mean, you're gonna have that sometimes. But did you ever go to a place where, like, the first time you went there, there wasn't like a huge crowd, but the next time you came back, there was, you know, significantly more people. Like, oh, somebody remembered that we were here last year, and they came back out. Oh yeah, we got a. That happens to us a lot in Dubuque. We play there a lot, and well, actually, a lot of people come and see us. It's weird. That's pretty awesome. Um, you know, Dubuque. We went out, we went out west. There's more people. When you go out west, there's more people. You say. Yeah, compared to the first time we went, we have a lot more people coming out to see us. That's pretty cool. You know, so I guess like. Even though the first time going out might be a little bit rough, you know, the next, it's only going to get easier. You know, it's probably no different than just playing your local circuit, but on a larger scale. Great. <laughs> are you guys working on new material during COVID now, or, or what's, what have you guys been doing as a band? Uh, we just, we just been writing. That's about it. That's, you know, it seems to be the way a lot of people have been have been going about it, especially since you're not playing any shows, you know, you're not playing, uh, you're not going out doing intermittent gigging, you know, and uh, Three Finger Betty, we've been working on some, oh, yeah. st- we've been working on some stuff in the Three Finger Betty camp, but, um, you know, it's, it's about the same as any other time, you know, about a new song every month or so we kind of introduce and 
if we get the opportunity to play it, we'll play it, I guess. But we haven't even really been playing too many shows. And for the most part, we've been just kind of like, yeah, we'll play a show if you book us. But we haven't really been looking terribly hard to play a show either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of weird stuff. What What's your take on all this? Like, if uh, Ancient Elm booked a show, do you think you guys would play it right now? Or do you guys are you guys kind of just, you know, resting on, you know, I want to say resting on your laurels because you're, you're making new material, but... You know, would you guys re- would you guys probably be like yeah or no? What do you think? Uh, I guess it depends. I don't know. I personally would probably just skip it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just continue writing. Yeah, I I will have to say, okay, um, I'm not much of a music writer myself, but like when you're in that mode and somebody takes you out of that mode, it's it's pretty difficult to get back in that mode. Right. Yeah. Especially because we, we want to get rid of a lot of our older songs. Oh yeah. We've been playing for like the past five. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess you guys have enough material now that like, it's like we need to drop something older off to put something new and fresh on there. And, um, you know, that's, that's pretty wild to have, you know, as many albums as you, I'm in a band that just has like one studio album out. So, you know, if people go see us live, it might be like 50-50 new stuff. But, you know, with you guys, you guys got to crank out some new stuff. Because, you know, like you said, once you've been going for 14 years, uh, there's, right. a, there's a good opportunity that people have heard the stuff that you've played before. So, it's okay. pretty, yeah, it's pretty wild. I, I do actually... Um, you know, I, I really dig your guys' tunes. I don't, I don't know how I would describe it, um, uh, but... Like what would you, I mean? It's metal, obviously, but metal is such a broad term. Like, do you have any like thing that you would call it, or do you have like a branded term for your for your music? Uh, I don't have anything that I call it, but a lot of people call it like stoner metal or sludge. Oh yeah, I could see that. Um, I I don't know if I would pigeonhole you directly into the sludge metal or or doom or stoner right. metal categories, because um, it's definitely not just that. So. Yeah. but it fits really close um i you know it's it's pretty cool because you guys have uh really good rhythms as far as like what you guys got going on there's even some leads going on that you're playing kudos to you hats off for being a, a badass guitarist you know and and being able to to do all that yourself um it's not easy being the only guitarist in a band there's nowhere for you to hide right so uh what go for it I said, if I fuck up, everybody hears it. <laughs> very true, very true. Yeah, at least I've got some uh, some other people to lean on in Three Finger Betty, like another guitarist. Um, was that hard for you to like be the only guitarist in a band, or were you used to it? Or uh, no, uh, the other two bands I was in, we had another guitar player, but I was I was pretty nervous when our our second guitar player when he decided to quit. I I was didn't think I'd be able to do it, but. Oh, it's easier, I think. You think it's easier without another guitarist? Yeah, because I get to write whatever I want. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, totally. That makes total <laughs> sense. Because I mean, like, the other end is like, um, if you have two guitarists, one person might write something, the other person might, you know, I, I can't play that, or I, you know, it doesn't sound as good as this, or you end up with this weird thing where it's like someone's right. got to give and take a little bit on on what's going on, and uh, it's not always easy to. Um, you know, work, work with multiple members and stuff. And I think that's, you know, that's one of the reasons I think 
like our bands work so well together is I kind of just let the people who write the music give most of, you know, the attention to that. And then I just come in with little bits of ideas like here and there and pepper them in instead of relying on writing it all myself or anything like that. Well, uh, Taylor and Eric contribute to a lot of the guitar writing too. Sometimes. Mm -hmm. Do they, do they play guitar or Eric plays bass. He'll play guitar every once in a while. Oh, cool. So do they, sometimes he'll go for it. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes, uh, Eric will play shit on bass and I'll be like, that'll sound badass on guitar. And then I play it on guitar and it's badass. Nice. Um, as far as Taylor, like, how does he help out if he doesn't play guitar? Does he like say, "Oh, play this part again," or do this thing twice, or, or do it a little bit more with this rhythm, or? Yeah, he does that, and sometimes he'll like make the noises with his mouth, like we're supposed to understand what he's saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that! I love that. Um, it's like that but, tenacious uh, D Jack Black stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, it's just like that. <laughs> But uh, Taylor has an acoustic guitar that he'll write riffs on and he'll send them to me and stuff. Oh, that's really cool. So you guys all kind of, you know, pitch in and play a little bit of guitar. And, you know, that's really sweet. I guess um, I guess I really didn't know that Taylor played any sort of a guitar at all. You know, not that it's like super Great. wickedly surprising. Everyone that plays music these days seems to be multi-talented, but. Right. Yeah. Have you always been like a guitarist? Is that your only thing, or did you ever start on drums or or bass or anything like that, or you play like piano uh, growing up? Or no, I've never taken one lesson in my life. But uh, when I lived in Carroll, Iowa, mm-hmm. I was in a band called Chasing Silence, and I started by playing bass and then moved to guitar. Oh, cool! So you you do have a little bit of experience playing bass. Yeah. Yeah. I uh do much. <laughs> I always like uh it's always like a kind of a hot button issue or topic when we talk about it. It's like um I like I I play guitar primarily, but I can play a bass, you know. It's no different than I would say like you, you can play a bass, but like it's a different beast playing a bass and a guitar. Like um they fit differently in within a band. Um it's not as cut and dry exactly the same as most people might think it is to play the bass and the guitar, you know? Okay, yeah. Um, I would definitely say the definitely. guitar... Go for it. Oh, I just said definitely. Yeah, I think the guitar, like, lends itself more to, like, um, noodling a little bit, you know? You can get a little bit... You can fly by the seat of your pants a little bit more with a guitar than you can with a bass. A bass has to be, like, at least a little bit structured, you know? And Right. You know? Do you guys... uh? excuse me as far as like writing you know all that kind of stuff do you guys ever try to like uh perform any like weird harmonies and stuff with just a bass and a guitar because i mean if you got two guitars you can play harmonies against one another but with just a bass and a guitar do you ever try anything like that or yeah 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 we we do that a lot eric will be playing something and he'll be like i'm playing this note so you should go down and play this note Makes Works sense. Out pretty good sometimes. Yeah, I mean, it to double the notes constantly. Like if you're always just doubling what the bassist is doing, sometimes it's it can get a little mundane, you know. So sometimes if you guys switch right. it up and and 
you know, throw that stuff in there. The coolest part about there is you th- if you throw it in there and it fits well, people don't even know you're doing it. You know, it's like, man, this, this is extra heavy and I don't know why. And it's like, oh, they're, they're doing fancy stuff. They're not right. just doubling down on everything. Yeah. He's usually, he's usually playing something different than I am during the songs. That's pretty awesome. So it works out. Yeah, man. I mean, kudos to you guys. I, I, as my approach, I play a lot of rhythm guitar. So my, uh, game plan, I guess, as just a rhythm guitarist is to kind of double the bassist and, you know, throw in fills when the guy playing lead cannot, you know, but, uh, right. You know, it's, it's, <clears throat> geez, I got a cough. I can't get rid of. No, it's really cool that you guys have a, uh, you know, a dead, I dead, gosh, <clears throat> man, it's going to be like the worst podcast with all my coughing. Uh, you guys, <laughs> you guys have a really good dynamic as a band and I, I don't, it's not that I don't see that in other bands, but you guys seem to get along really well. Um, you know, as brothers or whatever, you know, as, uh, as peers to a band and you guys, you know, not only that, but seem to be able to, uh, write and perform music very well. Not that that's, you know, not a commonplace activity in Iowa music, but I've always been pretty, pretty blown away by you guys. I recall watching you guys open for, um, you were opening for Dead Horse Trauma in Fort Dodge at a show once, and um, totally. what's that? I was just agreeing with you. Oh yeah, you guys. Uh, I remember that show. Dead. Uh, you opened up for Dead Horse Trauma, and I was like, "Oh snap, Dead Horse Trauma is going to be in Fort Dodge." And I was like, "Oh geez, Ancient Elms opening up for him." And if if I recall correctly, I even said something to uh, um, Clinton Kelsey, and they drove up from Des Moines and watched the show with me uh, up to Fort Dodge. But it was really cool, and it's yeah. it, like nothing against Dead Horse Trauma, but I feel like you guys kind of stole the show a little bit, you know, at the beginning, um, you know, and it, like I said, I was there to see you guys, and everybody knows Dead Horse Trauma and how much they haul, um, you know, they're one of those bands that tours nationally, even around the world to an extent, and they were in Little yeah, yeah. little Fort Dodge, Iowa, and you guys were open up for them, and I thought you guys absolutely killed it. The place was packed, people loved it, and, uh, you know, it, it's... Well, thanks. <laughs> And it had been a while after that since I had seen you. Um, the next time I saw you guys play live actually was a show we were booked on together. We played up in up in Humboldt, uh, which is my hometown, and brought you guys with. And, uh, you know, Humboldt's a town. Yeah. People love that metal and stuff like that. So I, I feel like there were a lot of people that were really blown away that, you know, we brought you guys in with us. And not that Three Finger Betty's not, you know, doesn't haul ass or anything, but... Uh, people know what we are and they didn't they didn't know you guys that well and i was like if you like metal show up early this is going to be this is going to be something great some of my buddies showed up and were like dude where are these guys from and it's like well they're you know they're based out of like the sac city area or somewhere over there and they're like what like yeah they're they're from iowa you know and it's it's pretty that was a good show it was tons of fun it was uh it worked out really well for everybody um playing those smaller towns can be kind of dicey sometimes you never know how the crowd's going to react or um or who's going to be there if anyone's going to show up etc but you know it was really cool to have you guys come out and play a show with us it was really fun to to be able to do that you know because like i said i i spent a lot of time in my 20s watching bands play live and i watched you guys play live i watched um you know dark mirror and you guys would play shows together occasionally and stuff so it was really nice to be you know the band that got to play with you instead of just being the person that went to go see you guys play live you know so uh 
I don't know. As, yeah. as far as I'm concerned, it was kind of like one of those like check it off the bucket list kind of deals for me. You know, I've been, <laughs> I've always, I guess as as being like a 20 year old in you know watching my friends play music, I was always kind of like, man, I wish I could do this thing or I wish I could do that thing or it's really cool that these guys are playing these shows, you know. And and uh, when I finally got the opportunity to play some shows, I was like, I'm gonna knock some things off my bucket list. And one of them was definitely playing with you guys. And uh, you guys have always been pretty awesome as far as I consider like live. Um, sometimes you bring your own lights with you and do your own light shows and things like that. It was, uh, definitely one of a kind. I really do, you know, appreciate you guys doing that. Um, you guys are still based out of like the Sac City ish sort of area, kind of, right? Yeah. We all live in Sac City now. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, I knew that some of you guys lived in different areas and kind of had one centralized location. Do you guys find it weird to book shows out of Sac City? What do you what do you mean? Like, like um, book shows in Sac. Well, I mean, like uh, if you're Des Moines band booking shows in Des Moines, it's pretty easy. Everyone seems to know you pretty well. But do you guys ever find it weird oh, when you're like yeah. try to book a show in Des Moines and they're like you're they're just like what you're from Sac City, you know? Like, yeah, I don't know. I suppose that that'd be a question for Taylor since he does all the booking. <laughs> yeah, you know I mean, <laughs> do you ever have anybody at shows like? say anything like that when they're just like where are you guys from and when you say sac city they're just like geez you know Uh, most people don't even know where it's at (laughs) well i mean honest honestly i just uh i know the general area of where it's at but if somebody said drive to sac city without a gps right now it might be a little rough Um, what about new, oh, yeah, yeah. what about new music? You guys are recording new music, um, or writing new tunes. Uh, what kind of stuff do you think you're going to be putting out EP or like a six song type of half album, or we're going to be trying to go full album on this? Uh, or? I, I think we're going to try going for a full album. We'll see how it goes when we get there, I guess. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, do you think it would be. Let me ask you this, as far as like the way that the music scene goes down today, do you think it would be easier or tougher to do a you know full album or EP, or what fits the mold nowadays? Because it seems like it's changing quite a bit. Uh, I don't know. I feel like it'd be it'd probably be better just to keep it like short and sweet, you know. Yeah. Don't want to get don't want don't want to bore people and just throw it on Spotify and see what happens. Yeah. I mean, I've I've seen a lot of bands kind of discussing this in their own camps and and things like that, and a lot of bands are coming to the conclusion that writing an EP, you know, serves their purpose better nowadays because you can maybe put two out a year, you know, if if you really work at it, you know, and um, I've had some people say like, you know, the days of a twelve song album are are kind of past us, you know, people don't buy physical media anymore, and it's it's tough to get people to listen to twelve of you know, 12 of your songs all at once. And, um, plus as fast as things get lost in, in social media and promotion nowadays, like if you put out a new album, you know, every 18 months bands on, you know, bands and fans only hear from you once every 18 months. But if you put one out every nine months, right. you know, a little EP every nine months or six months or whatever, people hear from you quite a bit more often and, um, yeah. might keep you a little bit more relevant. I've, I mean, like I said, I'm not much of a songwriter, so I don't know, my my opinion on this might be moot, but um, how do you feel about all that kind of stuff? Uh, well, I mean, I suppose yeah, doing the like the nine month thing works a lot better. 
and people aren't getting bored of you and like not being like tool and waiting 13 years between an album. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good Lord. Um, and I mean, I, I almost don't want to admit it. I didn't even listen to the new two album. Um, I haven't heard it yet either. And that's, and I hate to say it, but I feel like that's, that's the downfall of it. Like when you waited 13 years and now I'm just kind of like, you know, like I bet it's great. I bet it's awesome. I love tool. I've seen them live, you know, bought, bought a bunch of their other albums, but you know, I don't know. (laughs) Plus go for it. I've heard mixed reviews on it. I, you know, I have two. I said, I've heard mixed reviews. (laughs) I keep interrupting you. No, it's a, I have, I've heard mixed reviews on it too. And I don't, I don't know what to think about it, but, and I, a lot of that stuff, I usually like let that sleeping dog lie and come back to it when I feel like coming back to it. It gives me a fresher, you know, perspective on it. Cause I feel like if I hear the mixed reviews and some people say it sucks or whatever, then I, when I listen to it, I'm going to be like, yeah, it does suck or whatever. But if I wait and listen to it on my own time and form my own opinion, I'll be like, you know what? This was pretty good. I don't care what people said last year about it. Great. Yeah. 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 I, I only heard that one song. That was it. I, I didn't even hear anything. I mean, I I would purposefully avoid it because I was maybe I was just bitter. I don't know. Um, some of it has to do with the infighting too. Like, obviously, some of that is just people online trying to write stories that may not even exist in the first place. But it's tough to be like, do I like this band that can't even get along with each other or has like these fabricated instances of you know hostility towards one another or whatever? And I I don't know. I was never. Never really a big fan of like the blabbermouth.net style of reporting where it's like, this person doesn't like that person. And he said this mean <laughs> thing, you know, like, right. Um, I'm sure you being a metalhead, you know what blabbermouth.net is, but it used to be like back, uh, yeah. yeah, back in the day, it was a pretty reputable place to go get some news. And now it's just like Corey Taylor and Ted Nugent <laughs> don't like each other, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> right. It's always something about Corey Taylor having an opinion on something. Uh, nowadays, yes, very much so. It makes me wonder, you know, it makes me wonder who runs it or like where they're from or something or why they've buddied up with him so much. But, um, you know, I guess I'm not making any sort of a, I guess I have a podcast, but I'm not making any sort of like digital magazine for people to consume either. So it's probably hard to come up with new yeah. stories every day. So you're just like, Corey, what are you pissed off about today? <laughs> All right. Is Black- not even a thing uh, it is. I'm still. I still follow it on Facebook just to laugh at the th- stuff and read the comments. Because anymore, it seems like it's it's almost just like an onion style joke. Um, and like I said, it it exists. Right. But I, I don't remember the last time I saw an article. Yeah, I I should just unfollow it. But I do it just to like read the comments because people you know argue with each other. And as with music genres and the way things are going on social media nowadays, it's just a whole bunch of like okay boomer this and okay millennial that and a whole bunch of nonsense like people are you know super original coming up with this stuff and uh that is kind of the tough part about being online these days is like just the dichotomy the extreme dichotomy that exists like non-stop with everything it doesn't matter what it is and i've i've i think i think that music is is somewhat kind of avoiding that i wouldn't say like fully avoiding it but i feel like a lot of people are just like you know, music, regardless of what it sounds like, or, you know, what your favorite style is, like, people are just taking to it, you know, especially during COVID. Um, Give me just a second here. I gotta, I gotta adjust my camera. But 
Uh, I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna keep talking. I'm gonna keep talking to you, but I don't have any video on my end right now. Um, but yeah, I do feel like there's this this pretty cool thing where, uh, as far as I'm concerned, like people are being a lot more friendly towards the musicians and are starting to realize like how much music actually means to everybody. Um, instead of just you know, I'm sure you're no different than everyone. I was I was definitely this way to an extent, but I was always one of those people that was just like my opinion about music matters. And now that I've maybe it's now that I'm playing music, but like I'm starting to see that a lot of people are. I don't know, enjoying playing music live, um, enjoying seeing music live and, you know, things of that nature. Um, I'm still having issues with my video, so I'm going to keep going, even though I don't have video, you got, you got David's video, so it'll, it'll work fine. The Dave, um, and you haven't played too many shows, but like, as far as like going online and seeing people's interactions online, what do you think about, um, people going to shows or or people's positivity towards the music scene. Do you think it's it's getting better now than it than it has been, or is it? Uh, I don't know. I guess I feel like the music scene is changing a little bit. Oh yeah, especially yeah after everything closed down. I think everyone's appreciating it a little more. You know what I mean? Yeah, def- definitely. Um, I mean, uh, did you guys did you guys attempt to do any of those live feeds that people were doing or? Oh no, we talked about it, but we we never did it. Is there any reason you chose not to, or because um, I know some people chose? I think, I think we did. Go for it. I think we just just decided not to do it. We we're like, yeah, fuck it. Yeah, um, some of it comes down to like having to have enough, you know, gear to make it sound good enough, or doing yourself the due justice to make it sound well, you know, and. That was always my big deal as far as like, how do I go about, you know, as far as in Three Finger Betty, how do we go about pulling this off? And in some cases, we found that um, it worked all right to just use a a cell phone, but that's not always, you know, the best quality of audio. You might might be doing yourself a a disjustice instead, instead of, or an injustice instead of helping yourself out. Do you think some of that had anything to do with why you guys chose not to do one? Or Yeah. I mean, we don't have a lot of bad recording equipment or anything, so it would have just been cell phone audio. Yeah. And, I mean, we did the Probably cell phone. Really we did cell phone audio, and it, it was okay. Um, I'm going to say it was okay. That would That's how we're going to put it, and we're just going to leave, leave it at that. It wasn't terrible. Uh, it got the job done. It did what we needed it to do, but at the same rate, it was kind of still just like, eh, eh, you know, and, uh, I'm not, I'm not against the cell phone footage. Uh, I've pulled some pretty good cell phone footage from, uh, shows as far as, uh, just setting your cell phone on a tripod and going with it. And it, like I said, it works, it works pretty good, but when the, the louder the stuff is, the heavier it is, the less awesome it works. And that's that's an unfor- that's an unfortunate thing, but it's just kind of the way it goes. Um, I do have stuff to like record live and do things like that, but it's heck of a setup too. Even just to have like a simple interface to mic everyone into, and then you got to go to a computer and throw headphones on and make sure it sounds good on there, and then right. sync it with the audio and video. I mean, it's it's a nonstop battle um, as far as I'm concerned when it comes down to doing stuff like that, but. Um, <clears throat> do you guys ever see yourself going 
like going that route anyway? Or do you think that like the the digital online shows are going to be a thing that sticks around once live music comes back? Or do you think that people are just going to prefer to go see it live instead of, uh, instead of Facebook? I don't know. I have a lot of people on my Facebook that are kind of bitching and complaining that they can't go to shows yet. So I think once everything reopens and everything's okay, people will, would rather go to a live show than watch it on their computer or, tele- or cell phone, you know? Oh, uh, yeah, definitely. I do know that, like, some people were able to pull off, um, you know, fairly complex-ish setups, you know, at least have multiple camera angles and things like that going on where they could had their audio levels perfect and all this other nonsense, but it's it's also a little bit easier for one guy in an acoustic guitar to do it than it is for a full band, you know, too. Um, you guys, uh, let me ask you this then. If you go play a live situation, um, so bands like you and I, we play at a lot of venues, and sometimes the venues are um, very DIY, we'll say that nicely. Um, the most they might have there would be like a microphone, speakers, and an amp for the vocalist, and that's it. You know, and other places will have like the full-on soundboard. Yeah, yeah. They've got dudes micing everything up. They got monitors and everything. Um, do you have a preference as to which place to play in, or what's you know what type of places? Because I guess I've found my home playing a lot more in like the DIY style places, but playing at places like you know Lefties and Muse with with their own sound guys. Uh, no more Vaudeville Muse, unfortunately. But um, you know, playing at places with sound guys is pretty awesome. It takes a lot of the burden out of there. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I know it's easier to hear hear everybody when you have the whole setup and everyone's mic'd off and going through the monitors. But sometimes it's funner to just fucking plug in and go instead of worrying about the sound check and whatnot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's that total like punk rock mentality of just you know just plug your guitar into the amp and go with it. And um, I mean that's. They both work. They both work okay, but uh, you, just as well as I, know that you know just plugging in and going sometimes doesn't yield the best results. Um, I do know for a while you were running like a semi-stereo rig. You had like one guitar cab and then another guitar cab. Did you ever like spread those out across the stage, like one yeah. one side to the other, so it kind of made it stereo sounding? Uh, yeah, well, that was the whole reason I started doing that. And so it kind of made it sound like there was more than one guitar. But uh, apparently it gets too loud on Eric's end. Oh. So I kind of just started putting them together. Like if it was, I had one of my stacks over by him, he would say that it was too loud or he couldn't hear much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you definitely get some of that. I, I really dig the whole like stereo sound setup for a while. I was doing something kind of like that. I got tired of dragging gear everywhere. <laughs> this is my big deal. Um, that's, I'm sure you're no, you know, you've done it a lot longer and a lot more than I have, but is that ever something that you sit down and you're like, man, I'd, I'd really like to not drag, you know, a full stack with me everywhere I go or whatever. Oh yeah. There's, there was a couple of shows on tour where I just left one of my cabs in the van instead of hooking it up because I just felt too lazy and was like, fuck it. Yeah. Plus the plates are usually small anyway and don't, you don't really need two cabs going. Yeah. 
I I ran into that too at some places where it was like you'd bring in two cabs and it's like this is this is overkill by a million here you know <laughs> like All right. so you know you'd take one back or whatever and recently I've gotten into uh, two by twelves you know two by twelve cabs um, love them or hate them I don't know they're okay they're smaller easier to drag around and stuff so that's one reason I kind of enjoy them but it also you and know most of the time go for it. I said most of the time you're mic'd off, so you don't need anything crazy. Yeah, yeah. At those like places where you can just mic it up and stuff like that, you could bring a one by twelve combo and you'd be just fine. All right. I uh, I wouldn't recommend it, but I remember hearing about one show where um, they were like, "We've got amps and everything's like here for you. You don't need to bring anything." And uh, the band showed up, and I believe it was a, a Dark Mirror story from back in the day, but they showed up to play. They were like, all you need is guitars and a drum set. So they brought their guitars and the drums, and they go to like plug into everything, and all they had was like those little 8-inch Roland cubes. <laughs> and they were like these tiny little like combo amps, like smaller than my head on stage. And uh, they were like, just dial in what you like, and we'll, we'll send it to the front of house sound. <laughs> and it's like... I mean, it it worked, but it's still just kind of like, good lord, like <laughs> that that might be underkill. If 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 there's such a thing as overkill, right. that's underkill for sure. <laughs> you ever run into anything weird like that at any shows? Uh, we've had people tell us that we don't need to bring our gear, but we end up doing it anyway. Yeah, because we don't run into shit like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's kind of a nice <laughs> fail safe to be like, well, I'll trust you, but I'm bringing my own my other stuff with, and you know. Just right. in case, you never know. <laughs> or a lot of the times, the venue will say they have their own drum set, and we're like, "No, we're bringing ours." Oh yeah, being you know, being with Clint, that's one of those things. Clint can play someone else's drum set, but his you know, he he likes to have extra toms and extra kicks, and oh, I'm sure yeah, yeah. every drummer is different too. Everyone's got to have their their toms pitched a different way, and their cymbals in a different spot, and oof. They, That'd be a rough one to be a drummer and have to rely on going and playing someone else's drums. Because, I mean, like, you as a guitarist could probably go play, you know, you could just show up and play my rig, just plug your guitar, and it would sound good enough. But Great. if you sat behind a foreign drum set, you'd be like, oh, crap, I need to move half this stuff around. Yeah. Um, as f- Do you guys uh, have anything planned post-COVID other than, you know, just recording and writing music? Um, or are you kind of still just waiting for things and seeing what's going to happen? I think right now we're just going to be waiting and writing music. Probably have a couple albums done before it's before everything reopens, you know, fully. Oh, that's awesome. That'd be super cool to be able to have, you know, an EP to release and then have another one on the shelf for later. All right. That'd be, that'd be sweet, man. Um, I mean... I, I do have to say that like bands that are squandering this odd opportunity we have, cause there's, there's different opportunities out there. Um, like we talked about playing, you know, Facebook live shows or things like that, or, you know, uh, as far as the market goes for playing live shows in person, some bands are choosing not to play. So there's definitely more time to play at venues than, you know, there used to be, uh, if the venues are allowing people or, you know, capacity, but it's you know it's it's really cool that you're not squandering this opportunity. You guys are writing new music. You guys are getting things ready for the for the future, for new albums, for new music, and all that other you know stuff that you know some bands are are literally doing nothing more than than nothing. You know, and it's kind of weird to see bands right. doing doing that stuff. Yeah, 
Yeah. <clears throat> you get? I mean, I know. Go for it. Mm. <laughs> I was gonna say, I know, I know. Uh, bars and venues are opened up, but they're not at full capacity. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think it'd just be funner to wait it out and yeah, play to more than just a couple people. True. I mean, uh, being in you know an independent band, we're not you know you guys are probably a little bit better known than three finger Betty, but like we have played to semi empty places before, you know, um, bands like us have done it, you know, and it's, it's almost like, do you want to go to a place that, um, last time you played, there was a little bit empty. And then now is like at half capacity of that, you know, it's, it's kind of a tough to be like, yeah, let's go, let's go do it. You know, especially if you're only getting paid, uh, like bar percentage or like getting paid on like, part of what comes through the door and it's like well if only half as many people come in now that's a, that's half as much money and it's not like i was making a, a mint beforehand you know right it or is just get drink tickets. oh yeah the drink ticket thing is fun uh i love that when you go to play shows and they're just like here you guys you guys get drink tickets and then hey, i don't even drink anymore so i'm kind of like fucking shit out of water you know I, I can't do anything with it you know it's like you know, I'll, I'll take a soda, you know, like I could just buy a soda, <laughs> right. I guess if I wanted to, but I don't know. I was always kind of weirded out by that. Um, the bar atmosphere was never really my atmosphere to begin with. I just like didn't fit in there well enough and I didn't drink and, you know, it was kind of weird to play, play in a band and not drink and go places and people would buy you drinks and be like, well, I don't know. And uh, I'd always just pawn them off on somebody else. Like, here, you can have this drink. Thanks. Appreciate it. You know, and just... Right sneak it onto somebody else or i'd you know try and hide it and just do like a tonic water with like lime in it <laughs> it's like it's bubbly oh, yeah, and it's yeah. got lime in it people are like oh cool this guy's drinking gin and tonics or whatever you know but <laughs> gnt's are good though oh my gosh so good so good um it's one of the few drinks i do miss miss having was gin and tonics um not not to be like woo drinking but you know like i do miss right. i do miss a few things uh you know as far as like margarita on the rocks or things like that. But I do find it a little oh, bit yeah, easier yeah. to play music, not inebriated. Um, I, oh, I always yeah, used that's... to tell people, I'm like, I'm not good at drinking and I'm not good at drinking. Like I'm, I, for some <laughs> reason I don't have a good thought process when it comes down to it. But like, as far as playing music while drinking, it's nearly impossible for me. And I, like I said, I don't know why it just, it goes downhill fast. So I always tried to avoid it at shows oh, if yeah. I could. And, uh, you know, yeah. go for it. I was going to say the first time, the first tour I went on with Ancient Elm, we went to, uh, Madison, Wisconsin. There's a place called the Wisco that we play there a lot. We got there like, I don't know, five hours early and they started like giving us free pitchers of beer. <laughs> <laughs> so like for five hours before we had to play, we're just fucking hammered. <laughs> it was a shit show. It was, it was not a good show. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go there's uh that's one endorsement for not drinking uh, before a show <laughs> and then and then the next time we went back we made sure to limit ourselves a little bit yeah didn't didn't get there five hours early <laughs> <laughs> you know it is really cool though that like going to venues that are that far away and you know how hospitable they are you know when you're a band and you show up and you know the bar is literally giving you 
everything they have you know it's like here's a place you can hang out here's here's some drinks you can have some drinks if they sometimes if they make appetizers and things like that they're like if you guys want something it's half off they're literally giving you the shirt off of their back business wise just to try to keep you happy as a band coming in and that happens at a lot of venues you know um i mean there's a lot of people that'll throw venues under the bus um and it happens but venues literally are doing almost everything they can to try to to help bands out and people are always i don't know i always used to hear like why do you play at this place because they don't pay well and why do you play at that place because they don't accommodate well and stuff like that but as we saw with vaudeville muse some of these places are doing everything they can and still barely staying active you know so um right it's nice to be appreciative of of those kind of things though when you know when places are being that hospitable towards you even when you come back you know yeah <laughs> we have uh recorded just about an hour we got some we got some choppy stuff at the beginning i lost video halfway through but i got it back um for me but we've got david's smiling mug for most of it so <laughs> uh we did cover quite a bit of stuff I, I i did cover your guitar setup a little bit which was something fun because that was like kind of the first time you and i interacted with each other was i was playing around with like pedals and different guitar setups and things and you were like hey if i if i have to try to do something like this what what would be the way you would go about doing it because there's no like right or wrong way to do it you know yeah but it was kind of fun to be like oh, this is how I do it, you know, and, and you did it in a similar fashion, and we, we spun ideas off of one another as far as how to create, like, a full full sound, because that was kind of something you and I both at the same time were working on was, oh yeah, you know, I played I in... I Go for it. What was that? I, I said I think that's when I was living up in Emmitsburg is when I decided to do the full two full stacks. Yep, yep. Oh man, that's that's crazy though. When you were living in, I I was actually working in Emmitsburg this last year for a while. I should have hit you up. I didn't know if you were still there or not at the time, but oh, I've yeah, I've been back in Sac since August of last year. Oh yeah, I would have barely had any time with you in Emmitsburg if I would have hit you <laughs> up when I was there. But hey, lost opportunity. I'm kind of bummed about it. But at the same rate, you know, it is pretty cool to have, um, you know, somebody like you across the state. We don't, we're not like best friends. We don't know each other the best. I've seen you play live. You know, we fist bump when we see each other at shows. We've played together at shows. Um, but it is kind of neat to have somebody like that, you know, just out there on the internet and interact with them, you know, especially like like you through Facebook Messenger and stuff, just spinning ideas off of one another. Like, oh, if I set it up this way, how do I, how, you know, how does it change things and things like that? It's kind of a nice change from going online and having all the negativity, you know, it's kind of cool to have somebody like oh, you yeah. out there. Um, is there anything you want to like shout out anything you want to specifically talk about before we come close to the end of the podcast here? Uh, not that I can think of. No, actually. Um, what about online? You got Facebook, you got, is there a Twitter? Is there an Instagram? Uh, uh, Instagram and Facebook. That's about all I use. All right. Um, there's also a YouTube for the band, I think. Oh, oh yeah, YouTube and Spotify. All right, I'll uh, I'll toss and those. ITunes. I'll toss this uh, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Spotify links down below. So if anybody's looking for any Ancient Elm goodness, if you like metal, if you like it heavy, that's the place to look. Is down below in the description section. Uh, like I said, Spotify link will be there. If not, wherever you stream music, that's where you can hear it. Ancient Elm. It's uh, 
it's heavy, man. I, I really dig your guys' tunes. I dig the the fact that you guys are a three-piece band and you can sound as huge as you do. That's one of my favorite things about you guys. So uh, hats off to you guys for doing everything you're doing. And um, tell the other guys in the band, uh, Eric and Taylor, hi for me. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing the new tunes, and I'm looking forward to seeing you guys play live again. Um, it's It's weird to think that. Like, I... You know, you go through COVID, it's kind of like, ah, I don't know, I miss live music and stuff, and I miss my buddies and whatever, but now it's starting to get to be the point where it's like, dude, it's been well over half a year, and a lot of these bands, like you guys, I haven't heard hide nor hair from, you know, and it's like, I miss you, I miss you guys, I miss seeing you guys play live, I miss it all. Oh, well, maybe you'll have to come watch us at jam practice sometime. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, Sac City's not terribly far away from where I'm at, so... Uh, are you in Humboldt? Yeah. It's like, uh, it's like an hour. Yeah. It's only like an hour. That's not too bad. That would be, fu- that would be tons of fun to come see you guys play, you know, jam out a little bit, listen to some new tunes as you guys are creating. that would be pretty fun. Um, Hey man, keep in touch. Uh, I'm really looking forward to the new tunes. I hope everybody else, uh, goes to check out ancient Elms past tunes and, uh, gets ready for the new stuff that's going to be coming out here soon. I'm stoked for it, dude. I'm really stoked for it. Hell yeah. Can't um, wait for you to hear it. Yeah, it's gonna be sweet. Uh, if I want you to stick around here, I'm gonna end the podcast. But don't run away. I'm gonna talk to you, uh, Dave. Thanks for everything. Right. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you too. Hey, there we go. Episode 111 in the bank. David's a cool guy. I really like sitting down and talking to him. Um, we kind of became friends online after discussing different guitar setup styles and things like that he's got a pretty cool setup you know he's got that uh stereo rig going when he plays live so that's pretty neat i hope everybody gets the chance to check out some of their links down below like i said ancient elm's been going for quite a while and they're one of my one of my favorite bands um you know i like i said i I used to go back and watch a lot of of metal shows back in the day and i'd you know go, go down to des moines and all sorts of places i recall seeing ancient elm and a handful of other places as well not only that, but I've played a show with them, so uh, check that one off the bucket list. It's pretty cool. Uh, i got links down below to all of Ancient Elm's stuff, so check it out. Especially go listen to their music on Spotify. They've got a pretty decent following on Spotify. It's pretty cool. So check it out. Um, the, all the links are down below. i got to say a huge shout-out to Dave for finding some time and sitting down with me. We've been trying to do this uh, podcast episode for quite a while, but you know he's been busy. He's been moving and doing stuff and life things and... And I'm stoked to hear some new Ancient Elm stuff that's going to come out of this uh, little break they're taking that, well, I guess most of us are taking in some fashion or another. So check it out. I got all the links down below for all the Ancient Elm stuff. There's also links down below to Audible Farm stuff. You can check it out, audiblefarm.com for everything. Otherwise, shop.audiblefarm.com to find the shop. There are t-shirts and hoodies and stickers available in the online shop. There is also the Audible Farm Patreon page. Video versions of the podcast. This one and uh, everything from 100 on will be on the Audible Farm Patreon page. And those are just a dollar a month. So you're going to get four or maybe five episodes depending on how the month shakes out. And it only costs a dollar. So if you guys are interested in that, check that out. Otherwise, the podcasts are always free for anybody that wants to listen to them. Even on YouTube, there's going to be an audio version that's still free. 
So check it out if that's what you like. Otherwise, if you're interested in the Patreon, you say, what do these uh, video videos look like? Well, I got video clips on the YouTube channel as well. So check it out, youtube.com slash audiblefarm. Hit subscribe if it's something you'd like to do. And uh, hey, I got to say thanks to all the listeners. And thanks once again, David. And uh, go check out some Ancient Elm. It's uh, some good tunes if you like metal. So check it out. Uh, appreciate it, David. And uh, howdy to everybody in the Ancient Elm camp that's listening to this. So uh, we'll check you guys next week. Got another episode coming in next week, and it's going to be a great one. So we'll see you guys. Peace. Peace.